When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, you don't have to have been tidying up with Marie Kondo to have, uh, you know, purged your home of things you don't need any longer and donated them. The question is, have you ever accidentally donated something seriously valuable? 651-641-1071. By accident? Uh, we'll take your calls on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainer. Bradley, have you watched Tidying Up with Marie Kondo? No, yet? I have not yet. Uh, Jamie and I are waiting until after our trip to watch it because I was like, we got to watch this show because I feel like we're going to get moved to clean some stuff. It's going to inspire you yeah. to, to do some letting go. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I have a, I, I watched it. It, you know, inspired my mind, but I also was like, eh, it was just kind of a crafty way of telling you to get rid of some stuff. But I have a girlfriend who's on a full-blown condo kick. And uh, she started with her closet. She purged all the stuff from her closet. She texted uh, us on a group chat, chat the other day, my some girlfriends of mine and I. And she said, you guys, I, I'm on a condo kick, and I just did something so stupid. I accidentally got all of the, uh, all of the stuff I was donating mixed up with my laundry. And I accidentally got rid of my husband's work shirts and all... All of my underwear. Oh! And donated them to a thrift store. Right. And so here she was texting us with no underwear and now having to start over. Texting with no undies. Who knew? Yeah. In any case... I, she could not have been the only person who's ever done this. No, certainly not. It's And it's not me, but do you remember that Golden Girls episode where the girls get that winning $10,000 lottery ticket and put it in the leather jacket, Blanche's <sighs> leather jacket, and then Sophia donates the leather jacket, and then they go looking for it at the thrift shop, but guess who bought the leather jacket? Who? Michael Jackson. <gasps> and then he decides to auction the jacket off because he's in town performing, and they auction the jacket off. And um, in the process of searching for the jacket, they end up spending the night at a homeless shelter and they learn a lot more about um, the lives of homeless Mm. people. They end up finding the jacket, which ends up in the homeless shelter. And that at the end of it all, spoiler alert, they decide to give the lottery ticket that they find in the jacket to the priest who owns the church that the homeless shelter is in. And they're like, we don't need this money. Thank you for sharing that bread. You're welcome. It's a great episode. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. Have you ever accidentally donated something very valuable to you? And I mean, I'm also curious. Could I, did anybody ever get it back? Six five one six four one one zero seven one. Christine is on the line. Hello, Christine. Yes, 
Yes, hi. Have you ever donated something really valuable by accident? Oh, I, I, it was actually a throwaway thing where I was trying to get rid of some things in my home. <clears throat> I'm what I call a border hoarder, borderline hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I don't have problems with stuff coming in. It's getting the stuff out of my house. Yeah. And so I have a, a pencil box that I used to keep, old cardboard pencil box. I used to keep some getaway, you know, cat money or rainy day money. We call that wham at our house, walking oh. around money. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so anyway, I saw this pencil box and it, it was, uh, I'd already repaired it once. It was really cute with an otter on the top. And I thought, you know, it's time for me to let this box go. I've had it for so many years. I'm just going to get rid of it. I said, goodbye box. You served me well. And I put it in the trash. And as I walked away, I thought, you know, maybe I should get that box again. Maybe I'm not ready to let go. And then I, I told myself, no, you just told the goodbye, let it go. Well, then I went to look for the $3,000 I had <sighs> saved in the house. Oh. It was in that box. No. I ripped my house apart, and I am absolutely 100% sure that three grand was in that box, and it's gone forever. In the garbage. In the garbage. Oh, oh Christine. Oh, I hope some lucky person finds it. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but that was that one was a little uh, a little tough, you know. Oh, oh well, sure. I would say so. Thank you for your call, Christine. Oof. Okay. Note to self and all of other selves: if you have a nagging feeling that you should check inside of something that you're tossing. Yeah, always look in the pockets. Uh, Always look in the pockets. Exactly. Because you never know. Exactly. 651-641-1071. Donna is on the line. Hi, Donna. Have you ever accidentally let go of something, uh, donated it to a thrift store, or thrown it away when you were cleaning up? Oh, guys, the worst. The absolute worst. 30 years ago, I gave birth to my daughter. And, and you, was, donated you donated her? her? No, 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 no. Um, and my husband was back in the day with, you know, with the video recorder. Yes. And he didn't tape the actual birth, but like right after she came out mm. and we had it and the, you know, the, when the older kids came to visit her, the whole shot. And it was mixed in with all the Disney tapes and we, we donated them all. Oh, no, I Donna. Know. I know. Oh, that's rough. Did you did you try to get it back? Did you have no, any luck? No, because oh. I didn't realize it for a couple of weeks, oh. um, and then I thought, uh, "There's just no way. There's just no way." So oh, I didn't. I'm so sad. I know. I know. And you know, here's a secret: don't tell anyone. Okay. But I I haven't told anyone yet. Oh. I haven't told my husband, or nobody knows yet. Okay. Listening. Well, your secret is safe I with know. us. It, it just nags me, you know. I bet. And I thought if I talk about it, it's going to bug me. So I just pretend like it never happened. Okay. It'll well, there you secret. go. Okay, our secret. Thank Thank you, Donna, for your call. You That's so sad. everybody else who's listening, Donna. No, don't. I hope Donna's not a real name. Well, we'll never know because we donated her before we got to yeah, ask. That's true. Let's go to Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Have you ever accidentally donated something or gotten rid of it uh, that was hey, really valuable? Colleen and Bradley, yes. Okay, this is this. It only had value to my son. It was a skateboard. Okay, uh-huh. and so um, I donated it uh, when I cleaned out our garage with a bunch of stuff. And our son lives in Japan. He lives in Shizuoka. And he, he moved there about two years ago. And I thought, now it's finally safe to get rid of stuff. So a couple of months ago, I donated a bunch of stuff from the garage, including stuff from his apartment and this skateboard that he had that had a Ninja Turtle on the back of it. Oh, no. And it was to one of the pickup companies like mm-hmm. Lupus or, or something like that. And 24 hours later, 
I get a picture of this skateboard from my son in Shizuoka saying, Mom, did you get rid of this skateboard? And I said, what? What? How did you know? And he said a friend of his went to the Goodwill and his little brother who skateboards bought this skateboard and came home with it. And he said to his little brother, dude, I know who this belongs to. And I couldn't believe it that 24 hours later, 3,000 miles away, he caught me getting rid of this skateboard. That is hilarious. That'll learn you. That'll teach moms everywhere. No kidding. It, it did he does. want it? Did he want he it back? No, no, okay, no. He was glad I donated it, but I just couldn't believe that I got caught doing something that I I hoped would be a good thing. You know, that is every mother's worst nightmare because we do tend to get rid of our kids' things under the cover of night. Oh yeah, I have still resentments against my yeah. mother, and I'm 43 years old. Well. All right, time to work through those. Thank yeah. you, Suzanne, for your call. Holy buckets! That is that again. It is yeah. a nightmare because we do this all the time. Yeah. Sorry, no. oh, sorry I don't that know that what happened a scab to that. for you, Bradley. Yeah, I don't know what oh, happened geez, to that. Oh, know. really? You don't know what happened to it? Meaning you threw it out, didn't you? And my mother, I'm going to call her out because she's not listening right now. She probably actually threw it out and didn't take it to Goodwill so that somebody else could enjoy it because she's just one of those people who's like, bye. She would light a match to stuff if oh, she could. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Elaine. <laughs> If indeed that is your real name. (laughs) All right. When we come back. So the moral of the story is this. Uh, It it may not spark joy for you, but be careful before you start donating things. If you're on a condo kick, Mm -hmm. Marie Kondo, the art of tidying up, maybe check the pockets. Just make sure you're in the clear. Uh, When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, it is, uh, we got to get into pervert corner for a hot moment. Yes. Sorry. Perv corner. Oh, did I say say pervert pervert corner? It just sounds a little worse than perv corner. Fine, we have to go. Pervert corner. We have to make a stop on perv corner because there is uh, an update in the case of Harvey. There's a pervy update. There is a pervy update in the case of Harvey Weinstein Mm. uh, that I think might give us even more glimpse into what a diabolical human being Harvey Weinstein is. Uh, we'll be back after this on my talk one Oh seven one. All right. Before we get to uh, Harvey Weinstein and what's going on with his case over on perv corner uh, on the Colleen and Bradley show, my talk one Oh seven one streaming live at my talk one Oh Everything entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. I quickly want to give everybody a cautionary tale uh, via our friend Susan, who emailed the show uh, in the last segment, we were talking about this condo effect, mm-hmm. the Marie Kondo art of tidying up. Uh, it, it was a book. Now it's a show on Netflix. A lot of people inspired to donate some stuff. Well, she has a cautionary tale. She says, I take tons of stuff to our donation site in my town. And a while back, I got home and could not find my phone. So I rushed back over to the donation site and found my phone in the piles of donated items. I also had the sound turned off. Keep track of your keys and phone while dropping off your items. Be very careful. Seriously. Because when you're in that, uh, you know, you're so excited to get rid of that stuff. You might accidentally get rid of something you desperately need. Uh, And of course, then you can't call to ask them if they have it because your phone's there. See what I mean? Uh, okay, now on to Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein Sing is it. a pervert. He is a perv. Perv. Remember, we talked about yeah, that. Perv. He's a perv. Uh, and so we're heading over to Perv Corner to talk a little bit about what's going on with his case. Now, you know his trial is scheduled to start on 
May 6th in uh, Manhattan, at the in the Manhattan Supreme Court. And he had a very high or he the person who was at the helm of his case was Benjamin Braffman, who's a high powered defense lawyer. Well, apparently he is now notifying uh, the New York Post, et cetera, that he's withdrawing from the case. Mm. So essentially his lead counsel, Harvey Weinstein's lead counsel is like, peace out. Bye. Now, all of this is coming on the heels of uh, an Esquire article that has been written about a, a profile of Benjamin Braffman and also some rumors about th- some dissonance between uh, Benjamin Braffman and his client, Harvey okay. Weinstein. Mm-hmm. So just a couple things to know. Uh, he says that Harvey Weinstein, among other things, has been looking for, without really consulting Benjamin Braffman, his lead counsel, looking for more people to help with the case. Specifically, he's looking for a female attorney because he no doubt feels like that will give him... Ew, gross. Right? Isn't that gross? I want to meet the female attorney. Although, you know, like when you're an attorney, you... Yeah, I don't know. I... Less concerned about the female attorney than I am about the guy who wants a female attorney, I guess. Yes, he would. Okay, so specifically, the uh, the rumor is that he's looking for a, quote, older woman on his <laughs> oh, defense God. team. Yeah. And Not one made, of the pretty hot ones. Yeah, has made some overtures to lawyers Susan Nakiles and uh, Isabel Kirshner. Uh, those are the people he so is. So he's objectifying women even in his legal representation. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Do you see? Okay, so this, wow. I really think there's so much in this uh, story of his uh, his lawyer, Benjamin Braffman, deciding to withdraw from the case because you learn a little bit more about wh- what his mindset is right now. Yeah. Um, so now, as a, as a in any case, the, Benjamin Braffman, that that lead attorney who's now withdrawing from the case has said that basically Harvey Weinstein is kind of a he can be nice sometimes but he's sort of just a bully who oh, is shocking. not used to get not getting his way. Oh. And so shocking. that is I think at the crux of why this relationship isn't working out which leads me to the place where I'm thinking well I mean I don't think any of us is surprised by that mm-hmm. but it makes you realize how he could continue to get what he wanted and people were continuing to cover for him because in that case, he was in the highest power. In this case, his lawyer, Benjamin Braffman, who's taken on this case probably against, you know, his better judgment and certainly against, you know, advice of others, no doubt. He can't be pushed around by Harvey Weinstein. He says that he continually, he said, I can say to him, you can't tell me to go to hell because you need me. Uh, In this case, he was in he had the power position and Harvey Weinstein still was trying This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Trying to wield his power over his attorney. Yeah, which just tells you the state of mind he's in. Harvey Weinstein is in no state of mind to sort of, you know, take accountability for... Uh, or be accountable for his behavior. Exactly. Uh, Apparently, uh, Esquire reports in a, quote, regrettable choice of phrasing, uh, Benjamin Braffman added, I take the abuse better than most. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not his best choice of words. However, it does just sort of give you... So now what's happening with Harvey Weinstein with this case, this trial looming on uh, May 6th, He's now in a scramble to find somebody to fill those shoes, yeah. which does not bode well for him at all at this point. Well, yeah, although I'm sure there are lawyers who are like, "Ooh, look, money. Woo. So, you know, hopefully for Harvey's sake. And by that, I mean, not my sake, but for the sake of the victims, he'll probably find somebody to show up. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of also remind us what he's on trial for. At this point, because there were so many allegations that came out mm-hmm. against Harvey Weinstein that sometimes I think it's hard to remember in the mix of all of that, who, which, which of those were <laughs> which able. Of the disgusting stories did he actually get charged yeah. in a court of law And with? has like fallen under the statute of limitations, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's forced, he's facing allegations that he forcibly performed mm, oral stuff. experiences on uh, an assistant. Her name is Mimi Haley. In 2006, and then also that he raped a longtime lover in a Manhattan mm. hotel in 2013. Those are the two. Those are the only two of the scores of women that have come forward uh, to to log their their uh, you know complaints against Harvey Weinstein. Those are the only two that are currently going to be tried in a court of law in May, May 6th, to be exact. And he, of course, maintains his innocence. Oh, I'm sure he does. Mm-hmm. He strikes me as the type of person who is trying to talk himself into a reality where none of this you know, actually happened. I, I, I will say I am interested because there were kind uh, there were a few. There's a well, I uh, okay. So the he what does he do for a living? Lie. Yes, make movies unofficially, but mm-hmm. officially his job was to make movies, yes. which is living in the land of make believe. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised that he hasn't been more adept at sort of creating a narrative around what happened. Like, you know, I made some mistakes. I, you know, take like if you just threw the public a minor bone, no offense. I feel like that may do better for his public image. Now, you can say, why would you ever want to rehabilitate his image? I'm just saying from his perspective, I'm surprised that he hasn't done more to try to reverse the image that the we've got celebrities behaving badly on the colleen and bradley show my talk 1071 streaming live at my talk 1071.com everything entertainment colleen lindstrom bradley trainer we have a name for those celebrities behaving badly and that name is d-bags presenting lord and lady douchebag of the day okay i'm gonna this is um my d-bag today is the family guy the oh, TV show. Okay, the cartoon. 
the cartoony TV show. Yeah. And um, for a long convoluted reason, but go with me on this. And I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds with this, but I read this article in Esquire about um, a recent episode of The Family Guy. It had some political themes, blah, blah, blah. But at one point in the show, they uh, they remark that the TV show has been trying to phase out their gay jokes. Okay. And I thought, hmm, I'm interested in this. I'd like gay to jokes. What does that mean? Read forward. Well, what it means is they acknowledge um, that they have been making some very homophobic jokes during the run of this TV show. Mm-hmm. And now, today, in the year 2019, they're ready to start phasing them out. Oh. How, what is a phase out? How does that work? Thank you. Like today it's you gay funny joke thing. You I don't know. Almost I guess I need like I need to understand what they mean okay. by phase out. And I also Here's, just just need to understand what gay jokes mean. Well, I you know, there there you can go on and read the article and there are some examples of some of the times they've made some homophobic jokes on the show. But this is um, a quote from executive producers um, Rich Apple and Alex Sulkin. Uh, they talked to TV line about this. And, and, and uh, Alex Sulkin said, quote, if you look at a show from 2005 or 2006 and put it side by side with a show from 2018 or 19, they're going to have a few differences. Some of the things we felt comfortable saying and joking about back then, we now understand is not acceptable. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So we've had conversations like that, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but he says, if a show has literally been on the air for 20 years, the culture changes. And it's not us reacting and thinking they won't let us say certain things. No, we've changed too. The climate is different. The culture is different. And our views are different. They've been shaped by the reality around us. So I think the show has to shift and evolve in a lot of different ways. All of that true. Mm-hmm. However... To my knowledge, even in 2005 or six, we were, I thought, on board with the fact that we weren't doing that. Yeah. Well, I you don't see know. what I'm saying? I mean, humor is one of those things. I mean, I bet if you go back and watch The Simpsons, and again, you know, I don't want to nitpick, but like it depends on the joke and the context. If what they're saying is, um, the, the the way that that's worded and the way that you presented it just sounds weird. Like we're going to phase out gay jokes. Well, yeah. I think it's, e- it's pretty easy. Like if, if there's a joke you don't feel comfortable doing, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. What are you like? The phasing out part doesn't make sense. It means like, well, we've just decided to do less of that. We're going to taper off. Like, well, what kind of gay joke is funny? Like there are gay jokes that are hilarious. It's just a matter of taste and a matter of humor. So, but, but what does a gay joke mean? Do you mean making fun of gay people? Well, then we got to talk. Do you mean mm-hmm. putting down gay people? Well, then we got to talk. If yes you mean and yes. making gay people a part of humor, then no, I, I, you know, I think gay people have an incredible sense of humor and are pretty unoffended by most things, mostly because for the majority of our lives heretofore, um, we've been the butt of jokes. And right. so, um, you know, anyway, just suffice to say it, I don't quite understand what phase out means. I would think like if you're doing jokes that you don't feel comfortable with, maybe just don't do them at all. Well, and part of what I think I'm responding to is the fact that they didn't, they were comfortable with things that the rest of society or much of society likely wasn't comfortable with, Yeah, but they were going along with it. In any case, I, to be, to be fair, 
I never watched the show. Yeah. So I can't even say that I know any of those jokes. Yeah. But if Holly, you, do you watch Family Guy? I did like 20 years oh, ago. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. It's been a long time since I visited mm-hmm. that show. Well, my understanding from this article is there's there's a number of off-color jokes that yeah, they oh, have made. Family Guy rem- makes me, I, I just assume that there's going to be some like some bad, uh, some, mm, there's you're going to probably offend most people mm-hmm. at some point on a show like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably designed to do just that. Yes. They, some of the jokes are designed to be what they would like to imagine as being provocative, also sometimes crass, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're my D-bags today. Um, From the family guy to the Daily Mail. My D-bag today is the tabloid itself. Ooh. But here's... I love it when this happens. Here's why. So there's a a new study, and we used to have a whole segment called Because Science. Remember that? Mm -hmm. This this particular article would have been uh, a part of that segment. Never mind Honey and Lemon... The best cough for a cure for a cough is chocolate. <laughs> and you're like, Ooh, Wait, yeah, I'm excited about this. Why is why are they more. a D bag? Well, this article and then all the articles that spawned from this article, because nobody does anything these days other than take a Daily Mail story and plop it all over the Internet. Right. So like local news outlets across the globe were like chocolate cures a cough. OK, so then you see all these headlines like you should eat a eat some chocolate the next time you have a cough. It'll cure you. But then you read the article and you realize very quickly, wait a minute, that's not what they're saying, actually. And um, if you get right down to it, this study that they're referencing is such a small, minor thing, and it's not about eating actual chocolate. Here's the actual story. Mm-hmm. So um, this university did a small study, like 100 and some people, there was some cough medicine that they, I think it's a European cough medicine that has cocoa as its base. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then there's like other chemicals that would be in a typical cough medicine. Sure. They gave that cough medicine prepared with a cocoa base plus, uh, with your typical cough medicine right. that's got all the stuff in it. But they no cocoa found base. That the one with the cocoa base actually performed better than the other one. Now, the science behind that is they think that there's something in the flavonoids or the cocoa, blah, 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 blues. There's something in the science that deals with like the inflammation. So it's better for your, you know, like it reduces some inflammation. It mm-hmm. might help with some cough that there's a chemical in there. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all the study says. The study does not say anything about eating chocolate. Mm-mm. It doesn't say anything about putting chocolate in your mouth. It says this cough medicine that has cocoa as its base can be more effective (laughs) yet. I guarantee you, if you go right now and Google chocolate cough, which sounds like a band or some kind of write that down or a condition chocolate cough. Anyway, something you really don't (laughs) ever want. I have chocolate cough. Um, You're going to see all these headlines like eat chocolate. You'll get better. Amazing. Chocolate is better for your cough than cough syrup, says the study. Chocolate better for coughs than syrup, study says. And then in a lot of those articles, they go on to reference this Daily Mail article. Mm -hmm. Now, the Daily Mail article was written by a professor. So the stories that report on this Daily Mail article 
act as though she's the one who did the study. And in her article, she's talking about the study very plainly and correctly. But then she says things like, um, they're basically saying that chocolate is kind of sticky and it could stick to the things that help, you know, or that are inf- uh, inflamed or irritated mm-hmm. so that it would have like a calming effect. And it's probably something in there, blah, blah, blah. And she goes on to say slowly sucking on a piece of chocolate might pre- provide some relief. But I think it's the way that the chocolate compounds work with other ingredients that makes it effective. But it's that little piece sucking on a piece of chocolate that then if you look through those like local news stories, they're all like this professor or doctor who did the study says that if you slowly, you know, let a piece of chocolate dissolve in your throat, it'll cure the common cold. And you're like, you guys, this is how fake news is, you know, spread around the globe. Mm -hmm. You take this tiny little thing that has absolutely, you know, like a little bit of truth in it. And then just go crazy. It's almost like a game of telephone, right? Like yeah. you, they, they chose like three words that they liked and then wrote an entire story around it. I guarantee you're going to see this like on the evening news. Like, and in other news, chocolate better than the or, you know, better than your cough drop. Next time you've got a scratchy throat, buy a Snickers. I still am going to do that, though. I mean, you can do it, but it's not going to do do you any Don't good. Don't tell me that part. Yeah. Because I also remember the study that said cough medicine doesn't do anything either. Oh, can I tell you some of the headlines today? I wish you Please. would. From ABC6 Action News, chocolate is better for your cough than cough syrup, study says. Uh, K-O-M-O, I imagine that's in Kansas City, study chocolate could be better for you than syrup. WCVB-TV says chocolate, the best cough medicine. I could go on and on and yeah, on. It's, there's and again, so many when you, of these. Because I saw this and I literally, when I first saw this story, I was like, well, we should talk about this because who doesn't love chocolate? But then when I, every one of those stories references the Daily Mail thing, because I wanted to find the actual study, mm-hmm. right? And then you you read where the actual study comes from, and then you realize that all of these local news outlets are just parroting this one Daily Mail article, which makes you realize how broken our, you know. That's how broken our system is. Yeah. Oh. So. Thank you for that uplifting message. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, uh, a hit TV show that you probably were obsessed with at one point is coming back to television. And... Uh, I don't think it's a good idea. And not just because of the usual reasons I don't like reboots. We'll tell you what that show is and why I'm not excited about it after this on My Talk 1071. Well, a TV show that you used to love, I guarantee you, is coming back to television. Uh, and I'm not here for it. It's the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071, streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Everything Entertainment, Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley Trainer. Uh, did you ever watch Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Bradley? No, I did not watch the show. Uh, that was a show that was hosted by Ty Pennington, who's a very high energy carpenter, also well known from TLC's uh, Trading Spaces. Yeah. So ABC had this show, uh, and now HGTV will be taking it over. Um, They've decided, you know, that was a formula that worked, and we are going to make 10 episodes of this Extreme Makeover Home Edition. For those of you who maybe didn't watch the show or know about it, the premise is this. There's a family who's living in a home who's fallen on some sort of hardship. Usually it's an economic hardship, maybe brought on by an illness sure. or some sort of outside uh, circumstance that is now forcing them um, to not live in, to, to possibly 
lose their home or they're for whatever reason not able to fit in their home. Sometimes it was that like a family member died and the children came to live with the other family and they just simply didn't have enough space. Yeah. Then the extreme makeover home edition team would come in, send that family away for the week on a vacation, usually to Disney World because it was ABC. And then the carpenters and designers would remodel the home. Sometimes they would, well, most of the time they would be adding on significantly to the house. Yeah. And it was something amazing that you do, watched I happen this, over the course do, of like, a week. Big reveals and stuff. And right? then, yes, there would be a uh, a truck that would be parked in front of the house. Is the f- I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Family pulled up in a limousine and it would have a picture of the old house on it. And then they, the truck would move away, revealing this brand new beautiful home. That would be amazing. And it would be and amazing. And they would live happily ever after. Or would they? And this is why I'm not interested in this reboot. Oh. Because as they're talking about it, everybody's like, everybody loved that show. It was such a great show. It was so many ratings. Mm, but what we're not talking about is, do you know what happened to the families that owned those homes? Oh no, what happened? Well, a lot of them weren't able to pay for them because even if they paid off the mortgage, there's other expenses that go into maintaining a home. Your taxes would then increase because if they increase the square footage of the home, the taxes would increase. Yeah. Their utility bills would increase. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, like if you have a bigger home with more bathrooms, you're going to use more water. Or if you have to heat a huge home like that. Oh, for sure. The heat's going to cost more. So many of those homes ended up in foreclosure. Oh, no. Because the families couldn't So why do they want to them. bring it back, then? I don't know. This is my point. I do not understand. They have So they haven't addressed any of this? No, of course not. Okay. Uh, only Ooh. that HGTV approached uh, both the... Um, the production company that did uh, Extreme Home Makeover and ABC, and they said, we'd like to revitalize this show. And they said, sure, everybody's really excited about it. Yada, yada, blah, 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 Do you think it's because of the success of like trading spaces or they're like, oh, let's bring back another show? Probably. And yet at the same time, I think, well, trading spaces make sense, right? Because the that's all cosmetic. They redo a room, they leave. It does not have any lasting impact on the family financially. Yeah. But I'm telling you, um, just here's just to give you kind of a, an idea of what this did. You know, for example, there was a person who lived near one of these extreme makeover homes that said, uh, you know, that, and then that house went into foreclosure because the family couldn't maintain it. The person said, when I first heard about a free house going into foreclosure, I was confused. I figured the families must have squandered their money away on frivolous cars and luxuries. How could you lose a house that was given to you? But it's a little more complicated that because, than that because most of the families on the show are barely scraping by. So any new expense puts them over the edge. Mm. For example, the Harvey family was given a spacious 4,289 square foot house. Good Lord. 
But six years later, the bank had to auction it off. And this became a pattern with a lot of the families well, that were on that show. Even if you could afford it, I mean, here's what I would do. I mean, well, first of all, I don't know how this show was set up, so I don't know what obligations they were to stay in the home. But I'd be like, okay, you've now just created this uh, wonderful experience. If I can sell it, why wouldn't I just turn around and sell it, take the money, and then go get a, you know a modest home to cover my needs and then pocket the cash? Okay, so let's address that because that's... That in and of itself was an issue. They put a ton of value into the home, but many of the homes then didn't match up with the other homes in their neighborhood. Yeah, so it made it harder to sell. Exactly, yeah. because nobody, you know, you wouldn't, you're not going to roll up into a, a neighborhood that has maybe is like a, if you are able to afford a house of that splendor. Yeah. That where the majority of the homes are selling for a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars less. Yeah, if you have a half million dollar home, yeah, nobody wants to live there. No, exactly. And so, so I to me this, and I actually looked through all of the like a couple of the different big articles about this show coming back. I read through quotes from the executives to see if they would be addressing and this nobody at all. Talked about it. Nobody addresses it. It's interesting. I wonder if they just don't want to talk about it or if they're like, um, Oh, I guess we didn't even think about it that. It reminds me of when, do you remember when Oprah gave the cars away and everybody was like, Oh, now those people are going to be saddled with the taxes. But she thought of that and, and she paid, paid the, the taxes, taxes on yeah. that. Um, it's that kind of thing where I feel like I hope that they are thinking about a program well, also, to help the people maintain and, and continue to live in the homes. Also, yeah, I get what they're trying to do, which is they're trying to create these moments that allow them to tell like real heartfelt stories that like, you know, because then you get to tell the sad story and then there's a happy ending. And that's a good piece of television, whether right. it's Biggest Loser, Home Makeover. But all of those things seem very like early 2000s in the sense that that's a part of the world of reality television that we, I think, have matured and moved on from Mm -hmm. because of all of the things that you've pointed out. We have evolved and we realize that like things aren't that easy. And just taking a family who's fallen on hard times and putting them in a big fat home, that's not necessarily curing what ails them. There might be, you know, a a much easier solution to the problems that they're facing. So wouldn't it be better if your job is to or if your goal is to make, you know, great television by helping people sort of be their best selves, like finding what the actual issue is? Because it does seem kind of tone deaf like. Uh, sure, we're having a hard time paying our mortgage. That's one thing. But like we're struggling as a family because we've lost our breadwinner and give us a big home with a be- yeah. built in uh, whirlpool tub. Yeah, like I mean, that, it's certainly... I don't know is really the best use of money to help that family. Yeah. Short term, it's exciting and fun. In the long term, it actually probably creates more problems. And honestly, you know, to your point. I do think we're more discerning when it comes to our reality TV shows because we do know about some of the things that have gone horribly wrong with shows like that. We've heard stories of The Biggest Loser and the techniques that they used to lose the weight quickly that ended up creating even bigger eating disorders for the people who were on that show. And many of them went on to gain the weight back. Yeah, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Exactly. So I, you know, on record, I am not excited about that show. Okay, bye. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, brace yourselves, people. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about family cloths. What is a family cloth? Bradley will tell us what the family cloth is. And uh, we might want to talk to you if you employ this technique or know somebody who does. Get ready. It's coming up after this on My Talk 1071. Virtual Health is here. 
Here for you in all the moments that matter. Because they all matter. Here to be your trusted healthcare partner. From the simple to the serious, we ensure you can feel your best and live your life to the fullest. Find a Virtua physician at Virtua.org. Virtua Health. Here for good. Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.